Talk Radio, live from Westminster. I think there's a clear warning there. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction, and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. What's next? Order! Talk Radio, live from Westminster. Good morning and welcome once more to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham live on College Green right here in Westminster and it's the morning after the night before when MPs sat long into the night debating who had the worst insults and who was the most offensive. Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who has previously been called a dictator, likened to Adolf Hitler and branded a liar, is now apparently accused of using inflammatory language by calling the Ben Act the Surrender, Humiliation and Capitulation Act. This morning, John Burko has called the atmosphere in the chamber last night worse than any he has known in all of his years as Speaker. And he called the culture toxic. Well, let's face it, Mr Burko, you were actually in charge of the debate and you alone should have stepped in and stopped the ludicrous language, the crazy accusations and the hysterical overreactions to everything that was said. In the independent republic of Mike Graham, we expect people to treat each other with respect. We expect our guests to disagree with each other and sometimes with me in a manner which does not involve demanding apologies and playing the victim. From this point on, our elected MPs need to get a grip, they need to stop being childish, they need to stop playing political games. Boris Johnson proved yesterday that you can retain your dignity while setting out your stall to a hostile audience. The Remainers who had been so quick to gloat just 24 hours earlier at the verdict of the Supreme Court had nowhere to go and they couldn't do anything but exercise maximum hypocrisy towards the Prime Minister that almost all of them have called a serial liar. Enough is enough ladies and gentlemen, can we please stop arguing about what people are saying and instead ask why they are doing so little and when on earth are we going to actually leave the European Union. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, live on Talk Radio at the heart of what used to be democracy on College Green in Westminster. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. Well, according to the Times this morning, the Commons hits boiling point. It hit one of its lowest points, I think, throughout the course of yesterday, where they came back, especially from what was supposed to be some kind of unlawful prorogation, to talk about something that never happened. I'm delighted to say I'm joined this morning by Nigel Evans, uh, Tory MP for Ribble Valley. Nigel, welcome back to the tent. I'm sorry the rain is beginning to fall. Um, But what (laughs) on earth did you make of it all yesterday? Uh, I suspect the uh, nerves were a bit fraught because, uh, like myself, um, it came as a bit of a shock, uh, the declaration from the Supreme Court. Speaker, of course, had the flexibility to be able to ask Parliament to return within a decent time, instead yeah. of which he said 11, uh, 11.30 that morning. Yes, he was a bit hasty. With uh, that, wasn't he? Totally hasty, which meant that anybody with childcare planning, for yeah. instance, whether it's staff or whether it's MPs, all of a sudden, everything was thrown in the air. I was in Hong Kong in the back of a taxi uh, at about 8 p.m. in the evening. Uh, I still had about another four days uh, in Asia. That got thrown up in the air. I had to hastily rearrange everything, pack like crazy. I still got some laundry in a Chinese laundry somewhere Presumably, there. it costs money as well. I mean, people oh. cut, cutting short plans that they may have, having to come back early. I mean, it's, really so, did, uh, and, it's and, horrendous. And to then see what they spent most of yesterday afternoon, before the Prime Minister turned up, most of yesterday afternoon talking about the circumstances that brought about the prorogation. Geoffrey Cox was brilliant, I thought. Oh, Tremendous um, uh, on the front foot and really put them in their place. And all these kind of quizzling Ramona types who of course I wouldn't call that now because we're in a kinder and more gentler environment suddenly had nowhere to go because instead of celebrating what had happened in the Supreme Court they realised actually we've fallen into Dominic Cummings' trap here (laughs) Yes, I think we should just call them uh, perhaps inconsistent in their views Mm. Perhaps, perhaps, uh, yeah, without uh, rubbing their noses in it too much Of course you can't call the Ben Act a surrender act even though it does surrender 
powers to the European Union in order for them to impose on our Parliament yes. an extension longer than the one we're offering would them. You, would you not call it a capitulation act either then? Oh, good grief, no. No, I think it, it, it is a, a suggested pause uh, in, in delivering Brexit maybe for, you know, a century. Right, and it's certainly not a humiliation act. Oh, good grief, no. No, no, this is uh, our sovereign parliament asserting yes. its uh, authority, despite the fact that a number of MPs over the last 28 years that I've been there have happily seen powers go from Westminster to Brussels to unelected commissioners, most of whom none of us would ever know if we tripped over them in a pub. And I'm not referring to President Juncker there no, and of any of not. his habits. No, uh, he's but more of a wine bar man. <laughs> so, I mean, you know where I'm going. Uh, and yet... These are the people now who are asserting the sovereignty of Parliament, even though they don't care two hoots for the sovereignty of the public who got given the decision by the Parliament in 2016. And I know, I know that the uh, public have badly let politicians down. Yes. That's what happened in 2016 because Parliament never for a single second thought that the British public would stand up uh, to uh, the threats of uh, Project Fear mm. and actually vote to leave the European Union. Independence of the United Kingdom is what it is. It's not a hard independence or a soft, soft independence. It's actually independent of the European Union. Yes. That's what we want. And despite all of the conversations that you and I have had over many, many months, I've still yet to have a, a proper conversation with somebody who wants to remain in the European Union uh, and who can explain to me exactly what would be so great about that because nobody really explains that. No. No, absolutely not. And it's actually quite difficult, I think, once you've given the decision to the British people, then uh, three and a half years down the line where every shenanigans in the book mm. have been used in the House of Commons over your shoulder, Mike, to try and either dilute, delay and in the end ditch is what they're all about, yes. ditching Brexit. I mean, at least I suppose the Scott Nats and now the Lib Dems are more honest about their duplicity, if I can use that word, yeah. in this kind of gentler times. Yes. Um, because they are saying now that they would revoke Article 50. Um, I don't think there's a majority in Parliament for that, by the way. Um, I, I thought, actually, that BBC Question Time on a Thursday night, instead of having any Tories on there, or yeah. indeed any, anybody else, they need to be far more diverse and just have four or five Labour front benches mm. sitting on the programme so they have a diversity of views on Brexit, a, yeah. proper, a proper diversity That of would views. be good because, of course, having had uh, four days of uh, conference in Brighton, the Labour Party managed to come up with uh, let's see how it goes as a policy. <laughs> well, actually, it's quite frightening because uh, I suppose they, some, of the, some of the Labour MPs must have been quite relieved mm. to be brought back from uh, Brighton because what an interesting conference they've had personally. Our conference next week, I would cancel and give it over to the Labour Party. Let them have another three yeah. or four days of their conference. Well, I must it say, was wonderful. I must say, uh, yesterday's events kind of prevented most of us from discussing Jeremy Corbyn's speech, which was quite remarkable <laughs> uh, in, its, in its kind of Trotskyist manoeuvrings, where they were going to basically eat the rich, you know, nationalise everything else that moved, um, you know, and, uh, and ensure uh, that private schools were all shut down for the rest of time. I mean, it just went on and on and on, like, you know, well, welcome to Venezuela. It must have been bad, Mike, because I read the Financial Times this morning editorial and even they say Corbyn's not fit to govern. Yeah. So that comes, you know, quite much from the Pinken. Well, the Pinken has gone very pink lately, hasn't it? I mean, it's almost red now because uh, <laughs> I don't know quite what Lionel Barber thinks the Financial Times is red by and who the people are that actually in the city support their uh, their policies. But it seems to have gone very Romani and extremely kind of left wing yeah. compared to the times when I used to read it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the other there is alternative reading available, I'm glad to say, Mike. Yes. And if you read the the uh, Daily Mail today on the front page, it actually says that 55% of the British public now want an early general election. Yes. And the interesting bit of that is that 64% of those people who voted Labour in 2017 
now want an early vote. Actually, more of them than the 61% of the Tories who want an early vote. Mm. So that's fascinating uh, to me. And, of course, they got the opportunity yesterday because Boris Johnson taunted them to put down a motion right. calling for the early general election, which clearly we would have all voted for. Of course. And they ran away. And I thought, you, you, you said Jeffrey Cox was brilliant yesterday, and he was. And he said, you know, that even these turkeys can't resist Christmas forever. And it's absolutely right. Eventually, the day of reckoning is coming. The early general election, everybody knows in Parliament that we're not going to go till 2022. Right. We're not even going to go until 2020, I suspect. Do you suspect this year. that there will be an election post-October 31st? Because, of course, the Labour Party and the opposition generally are going to run out of excuses, aren't they? If you get to October 31st and we haven't had an election, regardless of what then happens, surely they must then agree to have one. Well, do you know, the? I think the rally cry of the socialists uh, this week has been, what do we want? An early election. When do we want it? Not just yet. No, quite. This, this is going to go down in history mm. as one of the most remarkable political periods of our time. And it's going to be topped with the icing of uh, an opposition that have been calling for an early general election for now, well, since the last general election. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Valerie Vaz herself has been calling for an early Queen's speech, and now uh, they've managed to perhaps even wreck that. We'll find out maybe later today. The other big thing that's happening today, Mike, is that Boris Johnson will be talking to the 1922 committee. That is the committee of backbench conservative members of parliament. But normally uh, the, the whole of the party turns up for this. And that will be at 11.30 this morning when I am absolutely certain that the reception that Boris got in the House of Commons by the conservative side, which if you recall at the end of his statement, was met with applause. Yes. I have never in my 28 years heard uh, the Tories clapping so loudly a leader of their own party like that. As you know, we normally don't clap at no. all. No. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you about that because John Burko, I seem to remember, admonished the SNP when they first got their 56 elected many, many moons ago before they lost a bunch of them. Um, when they first clapped at the first kind of statement made by the SNP and he said that that was not something we do. Yeah. Uh, ever since then, all we've, I've, I've ever seen is people clapping. Yeah, everything. He, he certainly allowed it. And so he had to sit on his hands yesterday. If you recall, just before recess, a Labour MP accused... The Prime Minister of Racism. Yes. You know, kind of gentler uh, accusations yes, of that course. the Labour Party make of the, the British Prime Minister. And they all burst into applause. Just looked on as if nothing had, uh, bizarre had happened. And so yesterday, when the Conservative side applauded really loudly, but he could do. Yeah, well, let me tell you about the new kind of gentle Labour Party. Neil Coyle uh, of this parish from uh, Bermondsey, I believe, uh, Labour Party um, MP, has sent this um, to, this morning to Piers Morgan. It's early doors, Piers, but I say this hand on heart. Go F yourself. You're a waste of space, air and skin. Trying to use Joe against us while encouraging the fascists is shocking even for a you. You make me sick. I don't think you got the email. Right. Well, that one was missed on me. Uh, ah. Yeah, no, absolutely. They clearly haven't uh, read the lines to take. No. Uh, and he, uh, Neil Coyle, would not be alone in that. Mm. Uh, and quite frankly, um, uh, you know, yesterday the Prime Minister was accused of being a cheat. Yeah. And the, Prime, uh, the Speaker allowed the leader of the Scott Nats, to get away with that without even apologising. Yes. He didn't even apologise. He's been likened on social media, certainly by several MEPs and some MPs, I believe, of certainly being a dictator, of being a fascist, of being uh, somebody who is akin to Adolf Hitler. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah, do you know, you can accuse uh, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, of many things. But the one thing I will never blame him for is trying to deliver what his... Uh, what he stood on the platform of, which was to deliver Brexit by October the 31st. 
Today, I understand that it may be shenanigans by the Liberal Democrats, Joe Swinson, to try and bring forward the 19th of October date uh, in, in order that they've got more time right. to debate Brexit, uh, basically trying to stymie his negotiation on the 17th and 18th of October with the European Union during the European Council. I mean, it, they've got no shame. No, they They're really absolutely haven't. shameless. No, the mask has now completely fallen, I think, and everybody can see them for what they are and see what they're doing for what it is, which is to basically stymie Brexit at every possible uh, twist and turn. So today, we're going to have yet another um, uh, sort of emergency motion, I believe, from Jess Phillips talking about the language that was used yesterday. So more kind of, you know, eating of yourselves uh, uh, for several more hours, well, no doubt. Reads out Neil well, Coyle's uh, tweet. Well, uh, now that you know about it, it's full course, glory. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you'll be able to use the language which I cannot use, of course, on the, on the radio. Um, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other examples of that. But what a waste of everybody's time. I mean, if this really is what they oh. wanted to come back to Parliament to do, I'm very, very sorry, but it's not what right. they're supposed well, to be doing. Well, you've hit the nail on the head. And basically, <clears throat> this whole anger in Parliament that was demonstrated yesterday is nothing compared to the anger mm. that you talk to the 17.4 million people and indeed a huge number of Remainers who say, listen, we had the referendum, we lost, get on with it. Yes. And so, so they've got to take that on board. You know, they've got to take on board that the fact is that they gave this promise to the British people that we would deliver on whatever you voted for. So thank you, David Cameron, for that, at least. And the shouting you can hear in the background, they're, they're from Remainers. Yeah. They've been from Remainers for over a year now, yes. standing whenever we try to have these uh, democratic debates. Yes. Uh, after all... Mike, you have people who are on all sides of politics. We had Lord Hesseltine here. here yesterday telling yep. us that Europe was emerging and would be an even greater force <clears throat> for good in the future than it has been in the past. Yes, well, of course, I remember Michael Hesseltine being part of the government uh, that helped prorogue Parliament with Sir John Major That's for right. much longer yeah. than was he the He also case told me Morris. that the uh, Parliament, and Boris Johnson in particular, had been very much harmed by the Supreme Court ruling because he was found to have done something unlawful. He then admitted that he'd also been found to have done something unlawful <laughs> Uh, while he tried to stop money going to local authorities uh, and they took out a judicial review against him. And when I said, did that harm your reputation? He said, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm afraid <clears throat> Michael Heseltine um, is Michael Heseltine, yes. as they used to say mm. uh, about uh, um, lots of other politicians, yes. you know, John Prescott, when yeah. uh, he, he sort of uh, does I sort of, of yearn for the days of language. old two jags because, I mean, <laughs> he was a guy who at least had some honour. It's a bit like when you have conversations about the old gangsters, you know. They had some honour amongst them, you know. They never went after any of the women. Uh, and if you weren't involved in the gang warfare, you didn't get hit with the crossfire. <laughs> Nowadays, the politicians, I'm afraid, on, on, on the opposite side of you, um, seem to have no care about what they do, who they hurt, who they involve, who they invoke, and what sort of language they use when they want to get something done. No, absolutely. And uh, I mean, there are a number of them within Parliament, a small number on the Conservative side, uh, Ken Clark, uh, uh, Dominic Grieve and others, um, who I, I remember Ken Clark particularly, uh, 92 to 97, during the Maastricht Treaty, Yes. when that was going through. And as you know, we had a number of rebels on the Conservative side Ian Duncan Smith uh, included, mm. who were trying to prevent the Maastricht Treaty coming through there again, the shifting of powers away from Westminster to the European Union. Uh, and uh, Jomage was ruthless in the way that they used votes of no confidence. Uh, I remember right at the end of the Maastricht Treaty, and anybody who didn't vote with John Major basically lost the whip. And there was one person who didn't vote against John Major. He actually failed to turn up in Parliament, Rupert Allison. Oh, yes. He lost the whip for over a year. Mm. And the whips were absolutely ruthless in the way that they forced that through. Now, I've got a good idea for my colleagues over in the road who are still 
jubi- you know, full of jubilation at the Supreme Court, their new friends. Less full of it than they were, I think. Yeah, well, do you know? Um, well, there's two things I'd like to say. Number one is uh, next time the Speaker decides to tear up the rule book and allow Parliament to act like a government, uh, maybe Gina Miller can use some of her uh, found wealth uh, in order to take the Speaker to mm. the Supreme Court and get a ruling on that. Because, yes. quite frankly, uh, what, what he did, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is a constitutional outrage. Yes. So that's the first thing. Secondly, as far as um, the Maastricht Treaty was concerned, I remember 92 to 90, whenever it was, 95, I think, um, we used to sit right through the night in order to give parliamentarians the opportunity to have their say, to talk at length on various aspects of the Maastricht Treaty. Now, of course, parliamentarians like to go home, as they will today, after we've been uh, dragged back to Parliament. They'll want to go home at 5 p.m. tonight. Oh, nice. I've got no doubt about that. And they won't be here tomorrow, presumably, no matter whether nope. the Parliament is, uh, is, is prorogued again let's or put sit into Saturday. recess. Let's sit Sunday. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's sit every day until October the 31st, if that's what they want. And let's sit into the night and give yeah. them plenty of opportunity to, number one, explain to their constituents why it is that in 2017 they stood on a manifesto that said they'd deliver Brexit. And now they're trying not to. Yes. And then it gives Jeremy Corbyn lots of opportunities to tell the British public why he said we would control immigration. And now, thanks to the Labour Party conference yesterday, we're not going to do that. No. Uh, why he said that uh, in 2017 that we were going to leave the customs union and the single market. No, we're not going to do that because we want to protect people's jobs, which means staying in the single market, staying in the customs union, paying billions in, being justiciable by the European courts. It's as if the referendum never happened. Yes, and also my favourite line from Jeremy Corbyn was how he was going to unite the country. I mean, he can't even unite the Labour Party. So, I mean, I don't think we've got to that. Nigel, thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. Uh, good luck really with the rest it. of the day. Thank you. Uh, welcome back to these beautiful aisles and this fantastic weather when you could have been in the beautiful parts of uh, Eastern Asia uh, <laughs> watching horse racing or something. But anyway, That's listen, pleasure. it's the sacrifices you have to make. Nigel Evans, uh, a Tory MP for Ribble Valley. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Uh, let's talk now to Angus McNeil, the SNP MP for Nahilligan Newer, I'm going to say. Uh, very good, Mike. Uh, I'll, very take, good. Uh, I'll take marks out of 10 for that. Thank you very ten. much. 10, <laughs> lovely, excellent. Um, you had quite a day yesterday in Parliament. Um, this morning, John Burko himself said it was a toxic atmosphere. I watched it with some sort of in- level of incredulity, I have to say. And I, said to, I thought to myself at various points, is this really what we've come back for? Is this really why uh, you wanted to come back and sit in Parliament and basically just throw barbs at each other? Yeah, I mean, I think you're making a fair point. And I think when the Prime Minister last night, I mean, since I've come here in 2005, it was always a, a, a habit of the Ministers of the Crown to refer to bills that Her Majesty the Queen had signed by the bill's name. You know, the European Withdrawal Bill Number 2 that, uh, that Her Majesty has signed is now referred to as sort of Her Majesty has signed a surrender bill. Her mm. Majesty has caved in, Her Majesty's whatever else by Boris Johnston. And for a Minister of the Crown not to refer to a bill of Parliament by the right name given to it by uh, Royal Assent from the Crown, I think it's just... It shows the, the the tabloid place that the UK has gone to. It may um, well do that, but it's also particularly in keeping with the way that everybody seems to speak nowadays. I mean, I likened that debate last night to a kind of Twitter spat. It was almost as though people were just firing barbs at one another um, and making out that one was worse than another. And, you know, some were claiming victim mentality. Others were bullying other people. I mean, it's just horrendous. It's horrible for people to see. As, as, a, as a crowd of, of Democrats. I mean, I think you've got to be kinder to, to, to Twitter spots in the first place, but I think the point well, here Well, not was the kind I have. <laughs> it, was, it was a statement by the Prime Minister, so the Prime Minister is actually the guy who controls the tone of, the, of that debate. Now, he could have chosen to moderate his language. Yeah, but no, but I'm, not, I'm not talking about the tone <coughs> of that particular debate. I'm talking about the tone generally and the way that he has responded to being called, you know, a racist, a dictator, uh, likened to a Nazi. I mean, you know, these things have been being said. He's been called a serial well, liar... Well, I mean, I, th- I think the thing is, he's, he's got the opportunity to prove all that wrong and behave like a statesman. He is the Prime Minister. Well, no, if you're all. saying that he can't speak well, in a particular pri- way, you surely can't speak in a particular way either. You can't he, go, it's up to him to prove he's not a liar. He's, he's, he's Prime Minister, and he set the tone for that statement last night. From half six to half nine, despite many Labour MPs doing, doing their best to bring him back, the Speaker trying to bring him back, even some on his own side trying to bring him back to be more uh, Minister of the Crown, more Prime Ministerial... Boris Johnson did not rise to, to that occasion. He he got down in the gutter, basically. And, and, you know, we've got to face that Well, I that watched fact. it, and I would say to you that to describe him as being down in the gutter is incorrect, because I saw I, would, well, I saw a Prime Minister who was under attack, I saw a Prime Minister who was being ganged up on by members of the opposition, I saw a Prime Minister who at all times retained um, a sense of dignity and retained a sense of something other than the, the crazy emotion that seemed to be coming from some other members of Parliament. Then you were watching something very different nope. to what I was in because of the, the way the Prime Minister behaved last night was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And, you know, we, we might have difference of opinion on that, but as a Prime Minister, to refer to a bill that Her Majesty signed as a surrender act or whatever else, that is, that's the beginning of a lot of problems. Okay. And Boris Johnson knows that. Well, Boris John Burko, the that. Speaker of the House, who's not known for his impartiality, said that the atmosphere was toxic. So you'd have to go along with that and you'd have to accept your part in that, surely. I was, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the atmosphere is toxic. But you're saying the, he started it. The guy in the tuning fork, the guy who's up, every second person who speaks is the Prime Minister. So if the Prime Minister carries on in that vein, but the Prime Minister is getting told by neighbours of Joe Cox's, the successors of Joe Cox's, that this is not the thing to do or to say, and he persists in saying that. When he gets an impassioned plea, for, as he did from Paula Sheriff, and he just stands up and calls it humbug, there were gasps 
The gasps and the tears. Well, because to accuse because Boris Johnson of having invented the word surrender well, and having invented the word traitor well, well, is we're nonsense, not, isn't it? Well, well, that was the inference. The inference was, and it was said, it was said that his his words are being written down and sent to MPs as death threats. Now well, that I think is a bit over the top. Well, what you've just said is is patently provable because you can find a dictionary that was printed before Boris Johnson was born. It's got those words in it. The problem is, is Boris Johnson is taking those words and applying them to bills Her Majesty the Queen has signed. I mean, he's already disrespected the Queen <coughs> by misleading her on prorogation. He's now disrespecting well, the Queen Well, we don't know further. that, actually, because the, well, Supreme, Court the Supreme, Supreme Court... No, it didn't. The Supreme the Court, Supreme Court says, is not leaving him in a good no. place at all. Well, you don't know that, because nobody knows what Supreme we Court are, law is. The Supreme we, Court has back. actually said that Boris Johnson apparently prorogued Parliament unlawfully. But they can't really explain why it's unlawful, because there was no law that was broken, and there was no penalty for breaking that law, and there was no inference as to what his motive actually was. They just think it might not have been what he said it was. Maybe. Yeah, well, I think it's That's very, basically <laughs> it. It's probably very likely. He wouldn't give an affidavit as to why. He's the only guy who wouldn't give evidence on the thing. So, well, he said yesterday he provided all the evidence that he was asked to provide. Well, he was asked for a signed affidavit by the Scottish Court for a, He was asked he for a signed that. affidavit by the lawyers for the <laughs> right, people hold, bringing hold, the case. Hold on, That's you, not quite hold the same. On, you, you're using an argument here that Boris Johnson has said something. This is part of a problem. When Boris Johnson said something, Lord Carloway at the Scottish Court of Session said there was no signed affidavit from the Prime Minister. Yes. This, so but he didn't ask him for one because if he, he had... Asked. Well, no, if he had been ordered to provide one... He, ordered, he, would he, was have asked. Had, he was asked by the lawyers for the people bringing the case. That's not the same <laughs> as is, being asked by the court. You know why, that. You see, why, this is why words this is are why important. why we are where we are. No, this is why words are important. Words are there very are, important. There are too many lawyers involved, Bor in my view. To Boris Johnson... Are you a lawyer? You're not a lawyer. I wish I was. No, I'm not. No, thank God for that. I don't wish to speak to any more lawyers because they're the people that have messed this whole thing up because they're the people who you can always hire to find a reason why something can't happen. No, the people who have messed this up are the people who think they're going to get a better deal than the current deal enjoyed by Finland, Portugal, Ireland, the Netherlands, Denmark, and that's full membership, etc., etc. That's full membership But you at least European are being Union honest now in the SNP and saying that you don't want to leave the European Union. Absolutely and that's, not. And that's fair enough. But unfortunately, as Boris pointed out to you yesterday, uh, once again, more people voted to leave the European Union than voted for the SNP. So where does that leave you? Well, more voted have, have voted, uh, people have voted to, leave, to stay in the European Union than voted Conservative. I mean, bandying apples with oranges doesn't take us very far at all. Well, I don't think that's apples and oranges, actually. I'm talking just about uh, Scotland. It certainly is. I mean, of course, I mean, I, I, you can't believe how bad the Labour Party well, are in Scotland to have allowed <laughs> the Tory MPs to actually even exist. 62% of people in Scotland voted to remain in the European Union. 55% yes. of Scotland voted to remain in the United Kingdom. The European Union is more popular in Scotland than the United Kingdom. Well, it may Hence, be. Hence, we are having our second or wanting our second it may referendum. Be. Well, if you have a second referendum, which way do you think it's going to go? I think we're going to win it, thanks to Boris and, uh, and the blowhards. And what happens to the backstop in uh, Scotland? And what happens to the uh, border at Hadrian's Wall? What are you going to do? Well, a, a border, the Irish border into context. The Irish border's big problem isn't so much the fact of the border, which is, which, which is annoying. The problem with the Irish border is security and peace and lives. That's where the Irish border is different. That might be the same in Scotland if well, this no, happens. It's not, because you've got a border between Norway and Sweden that's about a 15-minute border for a lorry to, to slow down mm. and be checked. So lorries are getting checked either side. So it's a 15-minute border. That's what happens when you get at the Customs Union single market. That's it. But the problem in Ireland is different to the problem between Norway and Sweden. The problem in Ireland is, uh, is guns. Do you think it's insurmountable? The, the, Irish, the Irish border problem. I, I, well, the European Union are not going to give Boris Johnson any deal whatsoever that involves the border on the island of Ireland. So the UK is not going to be crashing out with no deal. Yeah, but we could have no border and have the border operate as it has in many other places. Colonel Bob Stewart, who's actually marked and watched and, and worked on that border when he was with the Defence Forces of the United Kingdom, says it's perfectly possible and perfectly workable and would not in any way endanger anybody's life. 
Well, there's always a, a Conservative MP somewhere who's, who's Well, he's not just that. a Conservative well, MP. Come yeah, on, he's he an experienced no, he, he's, um, he's a major not. in the he, army. Yeah, he might oh, be an army major. So, hold on, so hold he on. knows nothing then? He might you don't like listening to experts? He might. He's not an expert in borders. He's an expert he's on the Irish border. Yes, he's he is. not an expert in the He's patrolled it. He's not in a different circumstance. He's not patrolled that border. He patrolled it with people killing each other. Hang on, you're confusing apples and oranges again. You keep saying that. Yes. But you are, and this is maybe what keeps talk really on the go. Is the apples and oranges, and maybe it's, we'll, we'll, we'll throw in from? some bananas and pineapples yeah, as well. Okay. But the, this is a customs union single market border. This will become. This is becomes the border that we have between Norway and Sweden at the moment. Yeah. Which is actually only a customs union border, and for that they have to stop for 15 minutes to check lorries. This happens. Now, if these wonderful technologies are there, and this stuff that the expert, as you put in, Bob Stewart was saying, was in place. Do you think the Norwegians and the Swedes, who've got a higher GDP and more technologically advanced and further ahead than the UK, wouldn't be employing that sort they're of stuff? They're not further ahead than the UK. That's rubbish. Have Absolute you been there? nonsense. Yes, I have been well, there. The UK is the fifth biggest economy in the world. China's bigger. What does that mean? Is, well, is China's China a much bigger still? country. Well, exactly. That's to do with size of country. You now you're just talking about apples and oranges. Not to do with advancement. Now you're just talking about apples and oranges. You can't compare the two. The Norwegians and the Swedes would have this technology if it existed. It doesn't exist. They don't need it. And speaking. You don't need it. Well, you okay, just said so you they have a 15-minute hold-up. Exactly. That's all. No, but so what's wrong with that? That, that, that is, that's the issue. You, you, there is no technology for you have the 15-minute hold-ups. You don't mean That's what's going to happen on the Irish border if there's one there. Right, 15-minute hold-ups. 15-minute hold-ups. You're in the crosshairs of, of, of some idiot from South Armagh. That's your problem. I don't know. Well, well, we can talk about this forever, but unfortunately, <laughs> or perhaps luckily, it's a we're out of border. time. Comes we are out of time. Let's talk to Simon, who's in Oxfordshire. Hi, Simon. Hi, Mike. Hi, there. How are you doing? Nice to talk I'm to you. What do you want to say? Yeah, likewise. Well, this is, I'll be honest, this is the first time I've ever called any radio station, ever. Well, <laughs> well, I'm, well I'm very glad and I'm very happy that I've, I've, I've sort of encouraged you to do so. Well, you certainly have, yeah. Well, the past few days has really encouraged me to, I feel like I've got to get something off my chest. So, mm. All right. I, I, voted, I voted to remain okay. and I'm just about still holding on to the notion that we that we should remain, but I'm quite pragmatic about it. My reasoning is very simple. I just think we're that the, the EU has its problems, but I think being part of that and, and, and being part of the solution of that is the best place to be. However, okay. watching the actions of uh, Remain MPs and Remain activists over the past couple of weeks especially, has I feel embarrassed to be part of that. I feel embarrassed to think that I am in some way connected to that mindset of Remain. Because yeah. I think what they have done recently, particularly yesterday, listening to them, I just, I was mortified. I thought, I, I don't know whether I can support this anymore because I'm just so angry at, at the language that they've used and the actions that they have taken to try and stop this. Rightly or wrongly, whether I agree with it or not, the, the way they have gone about trying to stop uh, Brexit happening is frankly, it's appalling, and if you're pragmatic about it and can look look from the outside in, you can only come to the conclusion, surely, that this is just, it's not right. It is no. absolutely not right to do this. Well, I think the worst thing about all of it, Simon, is that we uh, have given our sort of trust to the politicians of this nation. You know, we can't all get squeezed into the Houses of Parliament, so we elect people in order to do our bidding and to do our will. And I accept that they're all uh, individuals and they, they all may have their own individual uh, thought processes and beliefs, but they are yeah. also responsible to those people who not only pay their wages, but who also elect them to do their will. And quite frankly, not one MP in the Houses of Parliament that I can look at has actually done that. Absolutely. No, I, t I totally agree. And I think actually the, 
the crunch moment for me has been listening to Cor- Jeremy Corbyn say loudly um, yeah, the other day that we want an election, it must happen, yeah. and then saying, but not yet. I, I mean, that is, that is so obviously a way to... Because obviously there is no, no question the Tories would certainly win an election now. Mm, yeah. Labour, wouldn't get anywhere, wouldn't, Labour wouldn't get anywhere close. And obviously that means then the support for Brexit appears to be stronger than it ever has been. And they're terrified of that prospect. So all they're doing at every turn is trying to stop the potential for Brexit at every corner. And it's appalling. I don't like and I think And I think, Simon, a lot of people like yourself whether they voted Remain or Leave, are now seeing through this kind of charade that we've been going through for the last three years. Because it's very clear to me that this was always the intention of the Remainers. It was to never allow it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what, I suppose, upset me the most, is that I, yeah. I still feel that the EU is a, is a good place for us to be, but I'm finding it really hard to support yeah. that, support I mean, that if, now. If, if, one, one, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, if you don't mind. If there are a, you know, one or two now outcomes that could happen, if one of the outcomes is that um, we do have a second referendum, do you think you would vote Remain again? You know, right at this moment in time, the way I feel right now, I don't think I would. I don't think I would give my support to the, to the people that seem to be representing the argument for remaining because they seem, they seem such an appalling, hypocritical, nasty bunch of people. Yeah. I think I can't, I can't support those people. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. I really appreciate your call, Simon. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for joining us and, and part, being part of the debate. Um, and please do call in again because there'll be lots of opportunities, I'm sure, coming up. This ain't going anywhere for quite some time. Lots of you have got so many views about all of this because you are so disappointed in the way that Parliament is conducting itself. We had a huge court case, a massively kind of groundbreaking court case in the Supreme Court, which ruled that the Parliament uh, was wrongly prorogued. It was unlawfully prorogued by the Prime Minister. Uh, it was then ordered to return by Speaker John Burko. Um, and listen to what has happened since then. Really nothing of any great use to man or beast other than lots of abuse, lots of nastiness, lots of um, very, very divisive comments. And we're joined now by Jane Dodds, who is the newest MP in Westminster. Jane, welcome uh, to the Talk Radio Tent of Common Sense, as we call it. Uh, you won in Brecon and Radnorshire. Um, you're a Lib Dem, spokesman for Wales, spokesperson, I suppose you should say. Um, what have you made of it all? I mean, you've only been here a little a short time, haven't you? That's right. So I became an MP seven weeks ago. Uh, this is my fifth day in Parliament. Mm. And yesterday was one of the most shameful days that I've ever experienced in my working life. So the House of Commons and the Chamber, for me, is where I go to work. And the sort of language and behaviour I saw, starting with the session with Geoffrey Cox, the Attorney General, and then going into the evening with Mr Johnson answering questions and making points, I felt very, very ashamed and depressed. And it was from all sides. I'm not blaming anybody No, listen, I'm taking no sides here at all. I think everybody has been a bit of a hypocrite. Everybody has been a bit nasty. Everybody has been a bit ridiculous. And that's kind of where I am. Yeah, absolutely. And and this morning I've been in the chamber and there has been a better atmosphere for sure. Um, But we need to change because really I guess I'm concerned 
that we are from the outside. And don't forget, eight weeks ago, I was one of those people on the outside mm. looking in and thinking, I can make a difference here. And I still think I can make a difference because we have got to change the way that the House of Commons operates. We cannot continue with this shouting, clapping, waving pieces of paper around, standing up, sitting down. You know, it just is so 18th century. Uh, we need to move on and we need to have a different atmosphere, which is about showing we can debate in a civil way, we can be respectful, we can listen to each other and we can take on board our points. And we can reflect on, on, on thoughts and opinions that are put forward. And that's where I want to be. I was in Scotland when they launched the Scottish Parliament and I did some work in Wales with the Welsh Assembly as well. And they tried very hard to design... The, uh, the actual arena, if you like, uh, in a more circular fashion so that it was less confrontational. There wasn't a big mace in between the two parties, one side, the one or the other. Um, but it didn't really guarantee that there wasn't anything bad said either because only recently the new leader of the Tories in Scotland had a go at Nicola Sturgeon over the colour of her hair. And you kind of go, well, really? Is that, what, that the best you've got? Uh, I, and absolutely, you're, you're totally right. You know, the, the, the culture change for me has to be thinking, we are coming to a place of work. We are coming to a place of work that is watched by millions, not just in the UK, but across the world. So let's just take a step back and just, just let's think, how do we want to portray ourselves? And I think the way we want to portray ourselves is as, as a civilised, respectful House of Commons that listens, debates and respects each other. And that's that, for me, is the most important thing. It should also respect the electorate, of course. And uh, there's a debate this afternoon, interestingly enough, and I'm wondering why uh, it is that people in Parliament don't know the answer to what democracy is. But I wonder whether this is an exercise in, in education or just another kind of filibustering manoeuvre. But the people who voted to leave the European Union are feeling very, very dissatisfied with Parliament. They feel that Parliament is not doing its job. They feel that Parliament is deliberately stopping um, what they democratically voted for from happening. And that, rightly or wrongly, is the perception. Um, yeah, and I, I totally understand that. That was three and a half years ago that we had that referendum. And, you know, there have been three votes, I think. And I've got a bit of a get out of, of jail card here because um, I wasn't around. But look, where we're at is that we have got to move this debate on. We have got to see a, another way through here because it's not just Brexit that we've got to talk about and sort out. We've got hundreds of other things to look at climate change the domestic violence bill needs to get through there are so many other things that parliament should be looking at and where we need to be is a way of stopping the discussion as the way it is looking at the divisions on our society and just trying to work better together but you will have an opportunity uh, i don't mean you just personally but all of you this afternoon you will have an opportunity to vote on um, whether or not to give the tories effectively permission to go and have a conference whereby you could then take the view that you could get the domestic violence bill discussed and passed next week. You could get some business done. Uh, but we're told uh, by one of our guests just a few moments ago that the Lib Dems are planning to bring um, another Brexit bill into Parliament. I don't know whether you know anything about that, which would effectively stymie Tory party conference because it would mean the Tories would have to be here. So let's just look back a bit here. So before Parliament was prorogued, and I hate that word. Let's Me say, too. Let's say stopped. Because Suspended. Stop, well, even stopped. Uh, you know, let's just keep it, keep it plain. Before Parliament was stopped, my understanding, and bear in mind that I wasn't, a, 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 I was just an MP then, uh, was that there was going to be a motion to suspend all of the conferences so that we could get on with the business in hand because the time towards the 31st of October was slipping. So my understanding was that there was a 
proposal for that to happen. Now, of course, that couldn't happen uh, because we we couldn't meet. And so it has just happened that the Liberal Democrat conference and the Labour conference are now finished, but, but we still need time. We still need to get back to work. Uh, and whether you take a position on whether it's the Conservative conference, I think if it had been the Liberal, Liberal Democrat conference that could potentially have been stopped as well, uh, we would be in a place where we would support that. We have to get on with the business at hand. Yeah, what I'm saying, though, is the cooperation is there if you want to take up the cudgel of cooperation. Equally, the, 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 the situation where you don't cooperate with each other is also there, and well, it's your choice. Sure, and, and we are working you know, across the parties to look at how we move this on, and, and you'll know that there is cross-party working with the Labour, with SNP, with Plaid Cymru, and with the Greens to look at how we can do this together. Don't forget, Mr Johnson and the Conservatives don't have a majority in Parliament at the moment, and that's a, you know, that's a very strange place, I'm told, uh, for this situation to be in. We, we need to just find a way of election, moving forward. If you have an election, then that could be solved. Uh, an election would waste yet more time and more money and would put the backs up of the public who want to see us getting on with things. They want an election, the public. That's what all the polls are saying this morning. Uh, the situation is that we know that this will be used by the Conservatives uh, as a way of taking us out, potentially, of the EU without uh, a deal. And we're very clear across the parties that we will do everything to stop Brexit without a deal. Yeah, well, in Lib Dem's case, you'll do everything to stop Brexit, period. Uh, that's right. We are the party of Remain. We, it's not a secret. I'm here as a Liberal Democrat, and since the 23rd of June... 2016, we have said very clearly we want to stay in the EU. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green in Westminster. The rain has stopped for a while. Bob Seeley has arrived and he always brings fine weather with him whenever he does because uh, he's from the Isle of Wight. And uh, I watched you last night uh, in that ridiculous sort of um, farage of a, of a debate, and I use that word advisedly, where people were just getting out of control victim uh, uh, sort of uh, claiming that they were victims of these terrible pieces of language by the Prime Minister, trying to make out the Prime Minister uh, was in some way goading them. I thought he handled it all pretty well. Um, and it, But it was quite an extraordinary state of affairs, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pathetic. I mean, I, I read some of the lefty press today, like The Guardian. And I just, I think I live in a parallel universe. Mm. Um, I, th- I thought, the way, I mean, for a start, the, the problem with the Labour Party and the left in this country is that if you think you're morally virtuous to begin with, and everyone else is therefore morally less virtuous yeah. than yourself, I, I don't think it's a great beginning. No. And, and it just gets worse and worse from there. So th- th- this Prime Minister, I like Boris. He's been incredibly good and supportive to me as a, as a new backbencher. Yep. And he's the first Prime Minister in history to offer the Isle of Wight a deal like the Scottish Islands yes. has. And so he mentioned it again last yeah, night. My, I like him. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of my islanders like him. Yeah. Um, but that is... But and he's is, also not a hypocrite either. Well, I just... I'm, I'm, I'm stunned by the amount of personal abuse aimed at him. Yeah. And we've got... Jess Phillips has got some ridiculous, urgent question talking about people using nasty language in politics and we have a debate this afternoon on democracy yes and you can guarantee what's going to happen is that left-wing labor mp after left-wing labor mp is going to stand up and claim victim status Mm. this prime minister is daily abused as being a dictator who's organizing a coup he's been called a racist his, his personal life has been attacked he's been called corrupt every day there is a a 
just a hailstorm of personal abuse aimed at him. And actually, I think he's been pretty jolly and relaxed in in. in well, the I thought he kept his composure well yesterday. A, yeah. a tweet just came out from Sebastian Payne from the FT saying that Boris Johnson has told Tory MPs there's a meeting, I believe, today of the uh, 193 Committee. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He says he does not want to impoverish debate and will keep using the term surrender bill. Downing Street insiders also say they are not backing away from such language. Yeah, because it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit of colour, but actually that is nothing to compared to the abuse that the Labour Party is hitting out. And then they, they insult the memory of Joe Cox by using Joe Cox uh, or by praying in aid her name mm. to say that sort of how degraded and debased uh, British politics is becoming. It is becoming debased. Yes. And I'm afraid to say the left in this country have a significant... Res- we all have a responsibility, yes. but they have a significant responsibility. So maybe they can lay off the personal attacks. Yeah. Lay well, off that the hasn't happened because even just this morning, and I mentioned this earlier to Nigel Evans, yeah. um, Neil Coyle, who's the uh, Labour MP for yeah. Bermondsey, has sent the most foul-mouthed and ghastly tweet yeah. to Piers Morgan uh, b- uh, over what was said last night. So they haven't yeah. learned these no, I mean, this was set up something like 8.30 this morning. No, and the, just you look at the contorted anger on their faces, mm. and, and, it, and it, it is, they cannot bear their moral superiority being, being questioned. Yes. Look, look, I think at the basis of a lot of Labour Party problems at the moment is fear. Mm. They made a specific promise to get re-elected in their manifesto, that they would respect the, the, respect the, the, the commitment to a referendum. Yeah. They, they'd respect the result. And that they would honour the manifesto, com- they'd honour the, the mandate of the 2016 referendum, and they patently are desperately doing everything in their power mm. to avoid that. And I think that's causing real conflict in these people, and you see it in their anger and their frustration. They're taking it out on us, and they're taking it out on our good Prime Minister, but unfortunately, a lot of this is their own desperate anger at the appalling dire straits that they are in. And I think this is probably uh, the way things are going at the moment, and politics changes, but this is the second last election that the Labour Party will fight as a major opposition party. Mm. And the Labour Party is, has no future at the moment. Well, I was going to say, and, the, and they realise that. The, the opposition fight. benches are also filled with rather strange bedfellows because they all want yeah. something different yeah. uh, in opposing the Tory yeah. party and in opposing Brexit in one yeah. way, shape, or form. The SNP wants to stay in, in yeah. the European Union in Scotland. Yeah. The Lib Dems want to get out uh, of Article 50 altogether. The Labour Party doesn't know what it wants to do. That's, that's kind of decide who wants to be in charge. That, that's the Lib Dems, uh, the Liberal, Liberal Democrats that are being neither particularly Liberal nor particularly no, Democratic. No, in fact, they may have to change their name. The yeah. Labour Party may uh, split altogether. Um, the Green Party may lose the yeah. only people, people they've got in Parliament. Yeah. I mean, it's an extraordinary state of affairs. Yeah. When can we get an election, please? Um, yeah, and, and can I just say on that, on that point, Mike, I mean, look, we're all in a bit of a bind. I'm very much hoping that we need to deliver Brexit. And I tell my, my folks on the Isle of Wight, I'm voting for Brexit every mm. single time because there's so much else that we need to do yeah. on transport, on health, on housing, on delivering my island deal for the Isle of Wight. So we need parliamentary space to talk about all this other stuff mm. rather than wretched Brexit all the time. So we want it delivered so we can get on. Once we deliver, I'm very much hoping then we will restore our relationship, the Conservative Party will restore our relationship with the British people and they can trust us. So we'll do the Ron Seal test. You know, we will deliver what we said we would deliver on the back of the tin, i.e. the Well, at the moment, the Tories are the only party actually saying that. So that, I think, is is resonating with the the, the general public. I mean, the people that listen to this show uh, and others of of, uh, other media out there are seeing that, that, that the, the Tories are the only party trying, trying to 
make the yeah, referendum and, happen. And what I said, I mean, I'm not very good at asking sycophantic questions, to be honest. Yesterday was a bit of a first. Yeah, me but neither. I, but I just wanted to say to Boris, look, the more you get stuffed by the lawyers, the more you get stuffed by the Barniers of this world, the more you get stuffed by the lefty commentators, the more you are doing the right thing. Because the one thing they want is for you to delay Brexit. The one thing they want is for you to be as hated as everyone else. And as long as you stick to your goal of delivering Brexit or doing what you are absolutely everything that you can, mm. delivering Brexit by the 31st, I can go back to my uh, voters on the Isle of Wight and we can all go back to our voters saying we have done our best to keep our faith with you, the people. And the idea, we are doing that. The idea that the MPs wanted to come back uh, from the so-called unlawful prorogation what? What we to here? talk about Brexit what and they're now going to have a conversation like some kind of sixth form what are we you doing know, tea room yeah. about democracy and the meaning of the uh, popular yeah. vote. What, what are we doing here? We're not actually doing anything no. useful at all. No. And, and the, the, this ridiculous judgment, as, as, and as the Attorney General, and he was on cracking form yesterday. He was brilliant. Oh, I loved it. Tremendous. Oh, I loved it. The, and the, the Attorney General rightly said they've made new law. Yeah. Well, well okay. I've been saying this. You know, I was You've one got of the judicial, few people. That is judicial activism. Yeah, it is. I was one of the few people on uh, a Monday, at ten, Tuesday at 10 o'clock, before it happened, I said this is yeah. going to go against the government. You know why? Because the Supreme Court cannot exist unless it clips the wings of the government. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point of it? Yeah, I, I'm very much hoping that our manifesto, I sent 15 ideas through to the manifesto folks writing a manifesto. The one thing I haven't done is uh, scrap the awful fixed-term parliament yeah. because we, you know, we can't go to the people. That's the a massive we problem, to. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and secondly, we need, to s we need an independent judiciary. D there's, no, there's not even a debate about that, clearly. We, it's part of our British DNA to have independent judges yeah. who, frankly, throw problems to politicians sometimes, which we accept. However, there is an issue about to what extent the judges start getting involved in day-to-day in -day politics, yes. which arguably they've done now because they've basically said that proroguing is not a parliamentary event anymore. It's something that happens to Parliament, so that's a reinterpretation. Mm. Uh, and then they said, well, we, we, look, if Boris tried to shut down Parliament for six months, okay, that's illegal. Yes. It's un-British, we yes. would say. But do you know, six, what, you know what's going to happen, Bob? You know, Gina Miller, Julian Morm, you know, the secret barrister, all of these kind of Clapham types who hang about in wine bars drinking, you know, very expensive Chablis yes. and talking about how awful it is that the plebs have voted to leave the European Union Absolutely. and they're going to cost more money to run their houses in France and Spain and yeah. everywhere else. And but they're gonna, they're not going to stop. Polish repairs will yeah, go up in They're not going to stop, are they? Yeah. They're going to no. continue on. There'll be another lawsuit planted down. Uh, there'll be more obsessional uh, behaviour from right. these people. I look on the bright side. I'm a glass half full person and the, I'm afraid to say I'm sure Gina Miller is a lovely human being but the more the British people see rich folks like Gina Miller using their money to buy expensive lawyers to see if they can stuff the government the more that folks in in Newport in my patch in Freshwater in Shanklin in Sandown in Middlesbrough in Birmingham mm -hmm. in all over Britain the more they will think politician who's on our side is Boris and the only and I hope they're going to say that about me in the Isle of Wight as well. Yep. Uh, but the only party that's on our side is the Conservatives, and we're going to give them our support. We used to be Labour voters, but the next election we're going to give them our support because they are listening to us and they are doing what we want them to do. They are doing what they said they would do, and we need... We're going to back them. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.